The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by a co-host and elite coach educator, Gerard Jones. Now these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT, live on Twitter space, if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, it's slightly different, and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in, where myself and Joa will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you can let me know your thoughts on the new format, and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at thecoachesnet. Once again, that is at thecoachesnet. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Deep dive into another conversation. Um, a question has been put to us around uh, effective communication and coaching. Um, before we get into that, Gerald, maybe just a brief insight around who you are, your background and your experiences. Yeah, so obviously, hi everyone. Uh, really looking forward to tonight's discussion and topic and sharing ideas. My name's Gerald Jones. I'm the full-time director of coaching in the MLS Major League Soccer with Sport in Kansas City. Um, alongside that, I also work as a, as a coach developer for various different confederations, whether that be UEFA, US Soccer. Uh, I've done stuff with CAF on the pro license, A license, B license courses, um, AFC, you name it. And I'm also the director and founder of Ulearnbly, which is a digital coach education platform where you can access a ton of resources, personalize your education uh, around anything you want to learn to get better as a coach. 
grow your own community of uh, of practice and share ideas. We're actually going to be adding some more content today around match day uh, experiences, seeing it as an event or an experience. We've got some stuff from Cameron Campbell, who's obviously Rangers under-18s coach. He's going to be dropping some stuff on the platform. And we've we've just added some other topics as well from people like Mark Hawkins, who's the, the former Great Britain uh, Olympian, London 2012's handball athlete, and up coaching the under-20s, former assistant manager for the Chinese national team. So that's the platform where you can access loads of intel across different sports. So really, really exciting. And prior to that, obviously, I've worked at different levels, similar to Yaz in the professional game, grassroots game, uh, mentoring, head of coaching, academy coach, under-21 assistant, and so on. Really looking forward to delving into tonight. There'll be another conversation, especially drawing from your experience, Yaz. 100%. No, thank you for that, Gerard. And just a, just a quick brief intro of myself, guys. You know, similar to Gerard, coach, developer, a range of different experiences working across grassroots academy football, right from foundation phase to senior football across different environments. And hopefully there'll be some great insights that come through the conversation today. Um, but let's get straight to that, Gerard. Obviously, tonight's conversation is around effective communication. And just to give a bit more context to everyone, the question was put to me around, you know, what does effective communication look like? How can we become more effective in our communication as coaches and as colleagues? So maybe, Gerard, just... Uh, probably worth getting your thoughts on how you see that question and what and what your insights are around that yeah it's an interesting one i think there's so many avenues we could go down but it probably goes without saying that it's so important to really recognize what does the person who's receiving the information that we're sharing understand so check for understanding because often and this is my phd at the minute feedback given isn't necessarily feedback received and understood so how do we know that what we're saying has really, you know, been received, understood, translated to the player? Um, because often we, you know, there's a lot of jargon out there. We're all guilty of it. I hear a lot of coaches will use the latest buzzwords, but is it child appropriate? Is it friendly? Um, does it paint a clear picture in the mind of the player? These are the things where I think whenever we're talking about communication, you know, I've heard people say less is more over the years. Uh, I've heard it flipped around the other way. We can actually say, how can you have mo- how can you have um, the most amount of impact with less words? You can flip it. More is less. Again, it's just making sure that you're really concise. The research that I'm doing, my PhD, and and topics that I've tapped into with with people who've been looking at this at a real detailed level, I've often found that the communication coaches use is ineffective. They'll use terms that players aren't familiar with. They'll they'll use closed questions where they'll say, hey, makes sense. Is that okay? You know, is it clear? And effectively, the players will say yes <laughs> or they'll nod, but actually they don't know. Um, or So then how do we really under- check for understanding and make sure, do they know what we're saying? Is that clear? Um, how can we involve the players in the process? You know, we often talk a lot about the three eyes. So as much of informing and a lot of the information we share is trying to inform somebody something. But actually, how can we involve and inspire? I think that's really important. So in your practice, in your coaching, whether it's on a match day or whether it's in training, 
or even if it's in meetings or one-on-one informal form or whatever it is, how can you find ways to inspire and involve the players, inspire curiosity, give them problems, give them challenges, go on a journey with them, ask them things that you might not know the answer to yourself. So you're trying to figure stuff out, but then equally, I think involving them in the process so for the communication to be really clear is find out what do they know, what do they think, get their insight. And that can be done through many different ways, many different modes, whether it's, you know, using platforms like Coach Logic, whether it's using platforms. I mean, there's a million and one of them, really, you know, different tools where, you know, they're clipping their own footage, their access, you know, you can do that on Huddle, you can do that on Coach, you can do that on loads of different footages, you know. Um, where players are sharing their clips or they're sharing comments with games, what they think, even if it's as simple as a WhatsApp group, but whatever it is, or if it's just an interaction, find out what the player saw and what the player thinks and feels, because I think that's key whenever we're talking about communication. So, yes, we want to be clear and concise. I see a lot of coaches, and I was certainly guilty of this myself, I think we all were and, and are, where we can talk too much and we're really just interrupting learning or we're providing too much noise. I think whenever we're, we're, we're sharing information verbally, which is a dominant coaching behaviour, again, can it be in and out very quickly so we're not interrupting play, recognising the moment when to speak, when not to. I always use that phrase of, um, I took it from Alex Inglethorpe, I always remember it on the advanced youth award he said before i speak this is alex he said before i speak i always think is what i'm about to say going to help or hinder because often it might hinder you know we think it's about to help but we've already given that player a piece of information now we're we're overloading them with more you know so it's again i think that sort of leads on to that sentence that I started at the the start of this chat, which is, if we're thinking about communication, how are we sharing our information? And is it easily understood by the players that we're talking to? You know, and the only way to do that is to really think about, you know, tapping into the perception of the player versus imposing our solution or our answer to a problem, but actually discovering, well, what does the player think and feel? What did they see in that moment? And we've been doing it with the ID sessions. I've been doing a lot of work with guys out here as an example. And we're talking about, you know, we're trying to judge players on their potential and spot the time that whispers and all this type of stuff. But then I'm saying to play uh, coaches, ask ask them what what did they think? You know, what did they think? What did they see in that moment when they were trying to pass? What were they trying to look for? Find out more versus making assumptions and. Yeah, it's just so important. And I think just to reiterate a point again is how do we know that they know what we're talking about? So don't assume that, you know, feedback given is feedback received and understood. No, I think it's powerful messages there. I think, you know, two two key things that really jump out for me is that last bit that you just touched on there. You know, that feedback received isn't necessarily feedback understood. And obviously the the age old saying that kind of really jumps out to me as you're speaking the job is seek first to understand before um, to be understood and I think that in itself it should form you know the, the basis of all the communication we do have with, with uh, whether that be players or colleagues in, in any case so I think there's a real key question for me there and obviously that uh, 
in terms of that feedback piece, how would you go about maybe sharing some insights on how you check that understanding? Because I think that's such a powerful piece here. I don't think enough coaches go down the route of actually checking the understanding. Um, and I like to use a, a concept that I refer to as the show or tell method. Um, and, you know, we need to remember these are athletes. These, you know, these are, these are, these are athletes, whether, whether they're at grassroots level or whatnot. So what are they doing? They're playing, they're doing, they're doing something physical. So let's give them the opportunity to show us and not always have to verbally articulate themselves around what they've understood. Cause it could be that, like you said, the language that we're using initially might not be might not mean anything to them. So can we get them to show them what we what they've understood from what we said, rather than trying to relay back certain information, certain keywords, certain phrases, which is something I see a lot of coaches do. And it's not just in grassroots football, but in the quote unquote elite elite world of um, sport as well. So I think that piece is really key. Um, obviously, you, you you refer to it being child friendly, child um, appropriate. And I think obviously you're talking in the context of children themselves, but I think in any case, I'll be using language that is familiar and understood and accepted within the environment that we're working in. So if a player has or you know, a certain term or phrase that they prefer to use or that is better known to them in, in replace of what you've said, can we start using their language? Because it's their environment, it's their game. And the more we can use their language to help them understand it, I think the easier that journey becomes. So just you know, just on that then, Joe, I don't know what any key kind of things that have come up for you, any experiences you've had where you've been giving messages that maybe haven't quite been understood because of the language that you've used. And you know, how how's that how's that then panned out? Well, yeah, I think there's loads of ways you can do this, right? I mean, of course, you want to try and almost co-design with the players because I think you know, I remember years ago, this is going back years and years and years ago, but kids would talk about like sweaty goals and things like that relating to FIFA or whatever it was, Pro Evo. I know they've changed that now, haven't they, with the sponsorship? But, you know, playing the video games and, again, finding out language that would be their talk. And I've got conflicting views on that because in some respects I like it because I'm, I'm all for, uh, you know, being like down with the kids if you say or whatever you say you know but but then equally there's a great advantage to actually educate them on our football language or our terms there'll be certain words that you might use or we use that align with our principles and our values so i think that's there's certain things that are probably non-negotiable and that's a great opportunity for us to engage and educate and inform with them and equally transmit those messages with parents so we're educating everyone on our language because effectively our language brings our game to life. So it's so important that, you know, if I'm using certain terms, you know, when that when they get on to Laura or they move on to Tony or whoever, different age groups, it's not different terms or different phrases because there could be a danger potentially where it can cause confusion. You know, I'll give an example. Years ago, I was a head of coaching Cat 3, EPPP Academy in the UK, one of the coaches, I always tell this story, one of the coaches came up to me and said, hey, you're going to love the session tonight, Joe. I'm really going to be impressed. You're going to love it. We've been working on the past few weeks around counter-pressing and some of the defensive principle and counter-pressing. All right, okay, good, good, good. Watching the session. Anyway, I'm watching thinking, I'm not really, I'm not seeing counter-pressing going on. What the, are we talking about the same thing here? So I, being me, went up to the coach and said, and I probably should have done this before. Normally, I would. You know, I'd go through the session intentions. I'd go through the detail. 
I can't remember what was going on that day. But I was obviously busy, and I've just come to the pitch. As with whatever over age groups, normally I'd go through it beforehand. Anyway, I'm going through, and I've just asked for clarity. And I've just said, "Oh, you know, playing a bit of dumb." So, just talk me. What's your definition of like counter pressing? So he's told me his definition. Anyway, long story short, because this is quite a long event that happened. Basically, his definition was different to mine. Doesn't mean I'm right and he's wrong, or vice versa. The academy manager had a different definition. Under 18s coach was there at the time. He had a different definition. And then I asked one of the players, which they didn't know. I just pulled a kid and I said, what does it mean to you? And he was like, I don't know. Didn't even know what the word meant. And we're thinking, like, are we not just talking about defending here? You know. And So anyway, between five or six members of staff, full-time that is, we all had a different definition. So, and that was back in 2017. So uh, that was a great eye-opener for me. And like, wow, so we're not constructively aligned, are we? So how can we judge potential? How can we judge a player's progress when we're not even measuring from the same place? So not, not only do, how do we know what the kids know, we don't even know. We're not on the same page. So that was a great, you know, I've done workshops where I've had coaches say, you know, we're talking about these certain principles or certain areas within our roadmap of how we want to play the game. And I'm d- diving deeper and saying, all right, talk me through some of the player actions that you'd see in those scenarios. Write down some of the, the words that you would use to describe these moments. And it's interesting. It's a great exercise just to see what comes out. And do we mean the same thing when we use these certain terms? You know, po- being positive in, in my vocab, positive in possession might mean something different to somebody else. So it's, it's, it's important. What I would do is I would often co-design with, with coaches and players, come up with an agreement of what it is linked to our our values and our principles and, and obviously our model of play. And I'm actually doing that exact exercise right now with sporting. I would also, again, I would ask questions. Um, probably to your point, it'd be more around like, don't tell me, show me type stuff. I think often we do a lot of this where we ask questions, but we're like playing bingo with the players and they're just going to regurgitate the information that we've they've heard us say or they think is the right answer so they can get the praise or whatever from the coach. I, I was, before flying out to the States, I was watching uh, the Premier League do a a uh, futsal competition at St. George's Park. There was loads of coaches there from loads of different Cat 1 clubs. It was very interesting, you know, not naming the names, but it was interesting listening to the coaches when they were doing the debriefs and even just Q&A with the, with the players. And they were saying like, you know, talk me through. So, when the when, has that ball struck? What should we be looking for? What are some of the triggers to press when we're going to try and do a full court press, or we're going to do this and we're going to jump? And the players are just regurgitating. Yeah, that's it. Well done. But they still couldn't do it. <laughs> still couldn't do it in the game. But they had all the right answers though, which is great. Not because you know we don't play the game by talking. We've got to do it. So for me, I would be probably more around, you know, you don't always have to tell me the answer. I can ask a question which sets a challenge and gives them a problem to solve. And let's see if they can solve it. And I used to use this phrase, you know, don't ask me, ask three. So if players don't understand what the, what it is they've got to do or they're not quite sure, speak to other players in the group. So if you ask Yaz, you still don't get the answer. Ask Kevin. If you still don't get it, ask Rob. If you still don't get it, then you can come to me. I guarantee by the second person, they've probably got what they need. So there you're encouraging peer-to-peer learning, but you're also encouraging 
them to collectively gain an understanding. But kids can also, I say kids, even adults, they'll say things in their language that's probably more, more easily understood than what me and you can say. And they'll be like, oh, right, that's what you mean. Okay, got it. That makes sense. And they'll probably say it in less words. <laughs> so I think that's pretty cool. So don't ask me, ask three. Don't tell me, show me. Because by showing me, I can then observe and check for understanding is, right, is what, the, is what I've said or is what the challenge is? Is it clear? And don't be scared to allow time to experiment. So I think whenever we're using information, we've got to sort of prime to a tune. And what I mean by that is we're priming them to be able to search for information from the environment to come up with their own adaptable solution, right? So they're self-learning. That takes time. I think a lot of coaches, and I saw this at that event at St. George's Park, they're saying something to the player, but then they're immediately jumping on the player with something else, all the same thing. And they've not actually allowed that player time to consolidate or even just figure stuff out and experiment. So I think even within the practice, don't be scared to stay with stuff longer if you need to. You don't have to move things on because it says, you know, we should have progressed it by now on the session plan type of stuff. Base it around what's in front of you and who the person is. So all our communication should be tailored to the individual. And in, and then that, that's where I think, you know, going on to other topics, Yaz, I think it's important where we've got to think about how does this person prefer to, to receive their information? And I'm not a huge believer of, like, learning styles or preferred. We can all learn in different ways at different times. And there'll be some players that want to go through the dance and there'll be some players that are like, I don't want to go through the dance. I don't really want the Q&A. I just want it black and white. I don't really like the grey. There'll be times where I'm sure you're like that, right? <laughs> because I've been asked questions. Like, I don't want to do the question and answer. Just tell me and then I'll figure it out. But there's other times where that question and answer is very, very vital and I'm probably more questions and challenges for sure. Again, Dan had said at Rochdale, you know, who's obviously gone on and had a, a fantastic career and he's still growing in his career and his journey i always remember him he used to hate being stopped in the practice or even drive by coaching didn't like it he just wanted to play he would come up to you as and when he felt he needed something so for him it would be in the water breaks and he would actually bring the ipad his dad bought him an ipad he used to bring it oh he'd he'd grab the book or you'd grab the tactics board or whatever and it'd be quite visual, and we'd be moving stuff, and we'd be talking about, ah, but where, where should I be now? Because this is causing me a problem, eh? Kieran keeps making these runs here. I don't know what to do. Like, should I go here? Should I? And he's playing as, like, the six or the eight. And it, that was good. So we would be having those conversations. Whereas with another player, you could do a drive-by during the practice, or you could stop it, or you could stop him individually, or you could pull him to one side or whatever. But with Dan, it's not to say you couldn't, but... He would prefer. So, where I'm going with this is have we ever thought about who dictates how and when players receive information? Because more often than not, it's probably the coach, right? Would you agree? I don't know what your thoughts on that, Yaz. Because I would say probably more often than not, it'd be the coach, right? I, I think certainly, and I think there's a few powerful things that you've touched on in there. And, and let's, start with, let's start with that one. I think it is quite often the coach leading that interaction I think we again to come back to what we said before you know we need to seek to understand before we seek to, under, uh, to be understood 
Yeah, we, and we connect with them. Not. Connect before correct. Yeah, yeah. connect, connect with them. Find out what works for them. Find out what's worked in the past. But just, just be mindful that you might have players that have never experienced a positive, had a positive experience with certain styles, and that's why they might be um, against it or, you know, resistant towards it. So I think that that's something to bear in mind as well. But I think there's another, a key, a key thing that you've really touched on there as well is that, in all of this, it is them having to do it and. One of the real powerful questions you asked right at the start of that, and this is what I do with a lot of not just players but coaches as well, it is what does that mean to you? Can you explain yeah. to me what that means to you? And it's not again, it's not to say that I'm right or you're wrong or vice versa. It's literally just to get some clarity on right. Are we talking about the same thing? And if we're not talking about the same thing, then let's find out how we get closer to talking about the same thing, or or if there's another way to look at this. And I think uh, another a very powerful message that you, you touched on in there is. Yes, they might have their own language and let's try and utilise that to our advantage, but let's not miss out on an opportunity to educate them on what might be considered a wider rec- a wider recognised language or terminology for certain things. Definitely. So if they do go into another environment, they're not completely oblivious as to what these things are. So I think there's, there's some really, really, really important pieces. And I think one of the other things I often, I've, I've been experimenting with more recently as well is around, you know, when you're providing insight around maybe technical detail if you like you know i've kind of thought right what 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 can i do to help these players better understand some of the technical aspects what do they understand of the technical aspects initially and i've even started um it's off the back of a conversation i've had recently i've started doing it a little bit more is actually using sounds so you know to describe certain things and that could be as an example of right you know, I'll give I'll give you an example of the conversation I had it was um, with a guy called Nick Winkleman. You know, he's that he's he's written a book on a, on the art, the language of coaching, and we were talking about a, a specific circumstance where he was talking about trying to. He was talking about it from a, a more strength and conditioning perspective when he was trying to encourage a player to, you know, just basically accelerate a little bit quicker, and you know, using imagery and visuals to get that into place. And it was almost like right, you've got imagine that you've got a, you've got a snake behind you. And you've got to beat the bite, right? He's talking about the snake being behind you. Sometimes it could just be giving the player the visual and not having to give them the specific technical detail because by giving them the visual alone in that, you know, you have to get away from the snake. You're naturally going to, you know, in this, in this context, he wanted the player to maybe thrust out a little bit harder with their, with their, their strides when they were running. So by giving them the visual of, right, there's a snake behind you and they're trying to bite, can you get away from them? The only way to really think about doing that, if you, if you, if you put yourself in the situation, is do this as quick as you can. Now, how do you do it quick? You generate as much power as you can. Get those strides in, get the knee high, get the, forget the, you know, get the thrust through the power and all that. So I think using different ways to communicate in such fashion can be so powerful as well and it's just exploring as a coach take yourself out of your comfort zone and try and get yourself into another world sometimes and see where that communication can then take you because you might actually end up with a whole library of different approaches techniques sounds visuals that you can utilize in your communication again like you know this doesn't just extend itself to athletes it extends itself to working with colleagues and co and 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 co-coaches or whatever that might be so i think two really key things that came out for me, what you've just said there, Gerard, is, is what does it mean to you? And I think if, if you haven't got someone asking you those questions, maybe start asking yourself some of these things. If I'm going to coach, as an example, playing out from the back today, or if I'm going to coach 
transition or if I'm going to coach, whatever it is that you did that you decide you want to coach this week or that's been, that you've been asked to coach this week, what does that actually mean to you? And what does it mean to the person who's setting that? But then in addition, what does it mean to the people who are about to receive the information from you? Make sure you're on the right page. Make sure that you're in some sort of, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not just reading the same book on, and you're in different chapters. You're actually reading the same book on the same page. So I think that that's a really, really key piece. And, you know, there's a lot of people in the room right now. And I'm sure, you know, they would have many more experiences than, than yourself and I. And I'll be really interested to see what everyone else thinks on what we've said so far. And if they've got any experiences they want to share around some of the successes they've had and some of maybe the failures they've had even. Yeah, I think it'd be good to open it up. I mean, the one thing I just want to jump on this last sentence that you said is that for me, I think it'd be a really cool environment if we could create something where the players can choose how and when they receive their feedback or their information. Because again, that would that would be really interesting. Um, it's not to say that it can't always be by the coach, but I think again, it's just considering that individualized approach with information, and then you know. Yeah, just finding ways to, to make an environment better. So how inclusive is it? And I, I go back to that three eyes of insp- how much are we doing informing, but then how much are we doing where we're involving and inspiring curiosity, involving the players in the in the process. So, yeah, really cool and open to any questions anyone's got. I know Tony's obviously here now, which will be really exciting to hear. Definitely. Just before, just before I get onto that, you know, just to add to the final piece of what you said there, I think we've got to remember as coaches, as individuals, we don't have all the answers. So sometimes that, that, that interaction before we now participate in some sort of intervention can actually open us up to a world that we've never experienced and never even understood. So I think it's really important. Just 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 be a bit more vulnerable, be a bit, a bit more open around what it is that you're actually about to embark on before you actually step in and get involved in it. Um, but Tony, great to great to have you involved. Great to um, get you on again. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good, lads. Thank you. Um, some some really good, you know, observ- observations from both of you, as usual. And I think that there's a couple of points that that I'd like to make. Uh, and again, I, I, I think I've probably said this before, but there'll be people that that don't know. I don't have a great educational background as in degrees and university and all the rest of it. So I try and keep things as simple as I can. One of the things that Gerard mentioned earlier on is about about this common language and where there's where there is difficulty, it's really important that you get that clarification, whether that be at team level, club level, um, working with your players. Uh, I can think of um, of a couple of kind of real life examples from when I've taken over a new team um, and it was an it was just an expression that I used and it believe it or not it was to do with technical work uh, we're talking about the reverse pass so I'm trying to give you a, a, a visual now so I'm playing on the right hand side of midfield and I'm driving in towards the center of the pitch and the the fullback makes an overlapping run now again I, whatever people think about joystick coaching and blah, 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 each to their own as far as I'm concerned. So I'd often say to the player, turn your foot, meaning play the ball off the outside of your foot to the overlapping runner. And and it just got me thinking when I took over a new team, actually, 
do they know what I'm talking about? I know what I want, but does that player know what I want? So I've made a point of if I say something and I don't think the players may have heard it before or don't necessarily understand it, I make a point of, right, so this is what I mean by. And at least then if I use it again, they get that understanding. Now, again, touching on, on what Jared was saying before, if, if coaches in the same club don't know what their common language is, then there's no wonder that kids get confused, that, that players don't understand what we're talking about, because we've got so many interpretations. And this is why I, I try and be careful about using the number system, because for me, I mean, I could tell you what what my preferred numbering system is from one to eleven in a four three three, but when I talk about number fours, somebody else is talking about an eight or a six. So again, I think it's this is almost coaches wanting to sound cleverer than they need to be. And then I guess the third, the, the, the last point that I'll make on this, because I don't want to try and dominate the conversation. Is is really just to say that one of the biggest problems we have in this country when it comes to communication is the fact that it's so damn cold all the time when we're coaching, um, and it's it's in I read it in Gianluca Vialli's book where they'd done a comparison of temperatures across the whole of Northern Europe, and there was not a significant amount of difference over the course of a year. But the one thing that they pointed out was that the wind chill factor in in the UK means that it's about five to seven, I think it was, degrees colder. So when we do start to communicate with players, if you don't get your point across really quickly, then they're soon going to lose interest because they're getting cold. So those that have been on any of my coach education courses, particularly with the advent of social media, I came up with, I, I probably didn't come up with that. I probably heard somebody else say it was coach like your tweet. You know, at the time, I think it was 150 characters or 125 characters, but it's doubled since then. So uh, you still got to try and keep it pretty succinct. I absolutely love that, especially the last point you've made there. I mean, how did you, achieve this you know in your mentoring role even as a phase lead or even some of the other roles you've had as academy manager and whatever how how did you ensure that there was that common language in the environments that you're in because you know yourself there's still those coaches who to your point they want to sound intelligent and they want the new buzzword and then they're out there and they're throwing this around but the players are totally confused and they, they you know they've got their own ego and they're trying to do whatever and they've come off the back of a course and just throwing stuff in without thinking, is it relevant? How how did you sort of manage that? So, for me, club level CPD is really important. Where you know we we discuss as a group what our common language is going to be. So, um, I mean, I've worked in, well, I've left now, but I've worked at Doncaster Rovers for seven years. And I don't think that we've ever, as a group, for example, talked about counter-pressing. Um, we know that it exists. Like, like, like Gerard said earlier on, people have got different um, different interpretations of it. 
and again, my understanding might be completely different to yours, but for, for me, counter-pressing is if I give the ball away and I'm the nearest man, then I go and try and win it back straight away. Now, that's a pretty simple concept. So why make it any more difficult than that? <laughs> I love that last bit. Because that's the reality, isn't it? Why make it any more difficult? And yet we do, or we'll have coaches who have so many different variations. But then this would be my argument, trying to be not pedantic, but... I would say, well, why are we inventing new terms to sort of define something that was clearly defined before? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Why are we inventing these new terms to make it sound sexier or whatever? I don't know. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. I think it's too many people trying to become Klopp and Guardiola not remembering that they're not working with the same players. And I think it's, it's really important that we need to understand the the, the the room we're in, the environment we're working with, the people that we're working with and what it means to them. What is the what does the game look like to them? If you can keep it basic, like Tony said, to, you know, do it in, in 150 characters, uh, taking a Twitter analogy, do it. If it requires longer, think about exactly what you're saying and, and what how you're going to say it. And I think just one one piece that, that you, you know, I wanted to touch on earlier and just slipped my mind was the question piece. If you're going to ask a question, it's the top tip I give to all coaches and anyone anyone who wants to take anything away from this is have your question prepared. Know what know what the question is is going to look like. But before you can get to that, you need to know what you're trying to find out. And it doesn't mean you're going to have an exact answer, but you need to know which direction you're trying to explore. And I think once you've set that question or set that target, design the question and then have three versions of the question as well. Because the question that you might first come out with might mean absolutely nothing to the players. So can you come up with another version and then even another version that might help those that don't quite understand the first or second? And you might even need to go for a fourth one, but by that point, you'll have established that maybe this, if you've got to the third question and it still hasn't been effective, you need to re- examine that whole process again. But it comes back to the other thing that we talked about, that show and tell piece. Don't be looking for, for a question and having a verbal answer all the time. Sometimes just Here's the question. Here's what I'm looking for. Can you show me what this means to you, or show me what you would do in this in this context? Or if you take Tony's example as right, I want you to turn turn your foot. Just out of curiosity, could you show me what you think what you think I mean by that before we even get to the definition piece? Because I think one thing that I've learned over the years is the players are a lot smarter and a lot, have a lot more knowledge than we give them credit for. It's just communicating it to them in a way that they understand what we're looking for, what we're hoping for, what we're expecting from them, and what we're actually referring to when we actually touch on certain points, questions, or any any part of the context they're in. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a little piece for me on that. But, Tony, I think you was about to say something, weren't you? I was, but I forgot. I can't remember what the context was now. What did you start? To, what was it when you first mentioned when you, when you came back on? It was just basically around the idea that you know, when you when you're when you're picking the context, sorry, when you're looking at the context, or understanding that the players aren't always going to have um, the information available. And using the language is great, but sometimes it is better just to show them what we're looking, so get them to show us what we're looking for, essentially, rather than going down the path and giving them all this this different verbal language and 
right at the top of that. It was just really why people are using all these new terms that are coming out and why people are trying to reinvent the wheel with the terminology and the phrases that are being used. And it's because they, 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 they're trying to be like Pep and Guardiola and see what, you know, yeah. what, they're, what they're saying. It doesn't really matter how you describe it. Does the player understand the message? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right in that we've become... Uh, there's a lot of coaches that are fanboys of uh, of certain coaches. You know, you've only got to look at the way, uh, for example, Rangnick came in at Man United with this massive reputation. And actually, when you look at the facts, you go, well, did he deserve that? Did he deserve that reputation? Um, and I think that that... That it does have an influence on on certain coaches. I mean, I'm I'm of an age now where I'm pretty long in the tooth, and people might say that I've got quite old fashioned views. But actually, I just think that it's it's working and dealing with the the players and the coaches that you've got in your particular environment. I don't think. I mean, anybody who's seen me go off on tweets when people start going on about the half space knows that I ain't going to reinvent the wheel. So you know. We used to have a middle of the pitch, two wings and two inside channels. So I don't know why we needed a half space. I've never seen a half space. I only ever see full spaces. So, you know, that's that's kind of where I come from with all this. No, I think that's a great point as well, Tony. I think, you know, it's just... Let's just stick to what we know. Yes, continue learning, continue continue growing, continue gaining more information and more knowledge. But just stick to what stick to the basics. And I think Tony, you you know, one of the things that you touched on when you came on a few moments ago was that you didn't necessarily come from an academic background or you know a, a world of degrees and PhDs, if you like. And majority of the game has been the players. The players certainly most of us will be working with won't even be at an age to even consider that, let alone just finish their GCSEs. I think it's important to remember that we are still talking to human beings and we need to use language that allows us to get the message through to them. I think just on that, it's just adding the fact that the game is simple. The game hasn't changed. Moments of the game, yes, whilst you might never get two same moments of the game, largely the context of, of the game is what it is. It's not going to change and it hasn't changed for you know however long the game's been around. And I think <clears throat> I think the real key piece to really take away from what Tony said, guys, is just keep it simple. Keep it simple. Make sure that you're not overcomplicating it for yourself. And I think one of the biggest challenges that come with uh, you know with all this academic literature and and you know these PhDs and degrees and come, everyone trying to bring that language to the game is it's complicated. And for people that haven't been in that world, they might not understand it. One of the key things I've kind of embarked on with even the whole coaches network and the podcast is to try and simplify some of that information so that people aren't thinking about what is a constraints led approach. Actually, it's just putting on challenges really that are going to, they're going to give you different outcomes. What is an affordance? Who cares what an affordance is? It's a, it's an, it's a potential outcome of the challenge that's been put on. And I think simplifying those terms and, you know, if you like making it digestible for a layman is where we need to kind of work towards because we want to get, get better at what we do. As coaches, as a community, as a as a as a game, but you know, I think some great insights from you there, Tony, as well, and obviously Gerard yourself. But it'd be really interesting, you know, guys. You know, there is 
30 odd people in the room at the moment with various people dropping in and out. If anyone's got anyone, anything else they want to add or share some insights around, we're really, really keen to get you involved. I mean, the only thing I would share on that last bit, and it, it's interesting because I've, I've ended up obviously going down this sort of, I'd say like a pracademic, if you like, in sense of I've got experience on the grass, but then also I've done various degrees and doing my PhD now. I think you're right. I mean, I think some of these terms you don't necessarily need to use with the players. I wouldn't start talking about affordances. All an affordances is opportunity. It's invitations. It's opportunities for an action. But you don't need to talk. Like we can have. I think even in our sort of coach head or whatever we've got in the back of our minds, we can have certain things in our head of how we're planning stuff or identifying stuff. But it doesn't mean we need to use that with the players. I heard a coach the other day talking about constraints to a player and I couldn't understand why he was doing that. To me, I, I would have said, you know, the challenge is find find different ways to play forward into the, the keeper. How you do that is up to you or might be, whatever it is, I don't know. Try and play forward within three touches or less or I don't know. Whatever the condition you want to do, depends what your outcomes are, depends what you're working on. But as an example, you just you, you share the challenge or you create a rule or a condition, and then off you go. We can know the back end stuff, but you know you don't need to to share all that with with players. Um, I think we've just got to create these environments that are based around experiences. So, what are we trying to amplify or dampen? How are we trying to get players to solve problems? I mean, that's the aim of the game, isn't it? And if we can try and do less talking than we. Than, uh, than them. Can we have them doing most of the talking? Can we have them doing most of the, the actions, most of the touches? Can we design environments where it's self-regulating, it runs itself, the practice design will give different challenges to different people, it's varied experiences, and then off we go. Thanks, Jared. Dev, welcome to the stage, man. Talk to us. How you been? What's your question? So I just wanted to raise the point about maybe uh, as coaches, can we be confident in changing the way we communicate like during the season? So like from my experience this season, uh, the team I was coaching was really good at playing up from the back for about the first maybe month or so. Um, And then as we progressed through the season, it seemed like they were forgetting some of the some of the basics and some of the things that um me and the other coaches have been teaching them so it, it instead of saying oh we need to kind of re-go through or uh, re-go through the topic again and maybe do a whole like two-week three-week block on it I started thinking about well how how are they receiving the information and could can we change the way that they do that and then my way was okay maybe at the start of the session I brought my whiteboard out and I put down like the objectives we want from the session. So like making sure that it's maybe more clear than it was before. And then like, so teaching or coaching in, in both ways. So you're preparing the, the, the players to, or you're preparing players to receive information in different types of ways, instead of ways, instead of like one particular way. Yeah, I think that I think definitely that you know I think we need to constantly be reflecting on how we communicate our information, get sharing sharing ideas, sharing views. But I think 
if I was to kind of give that context that you just described there of uh, an opinion, it would be that maybe they've responded to your instructions and, and delivered on the instructions, but possibly not really understood the reasons why or how to uh, identify this is the right time to do it or right right time not to. Um, and, you know, one of the key things I really look to do with the players that I work with in, over the years is that it's really about developing a sense of awareness, a real understanding as to why we're doing what we're doing. Um, because I believe that if you know if they're waiting for us to give the instructions all the time and be responsive to that, then there's always going to be things that they're going to forget to do themselves because the reality is they don't really understand when to do it. They might know about it. They might have experienced it. And this is where you get the age-old saying of the coach saying, oh, we worked on this in training. Why can't you do it? Well, you told us what we're doing, but we didn't quite understand how to do it or when we need to do it or what we need to do if it doesn't quite work out. So I think it was probably just a bit of an overview of, of what I would say is um, probably a symptom of just giving instruction and never quite checking understanding, which is what, what we refer to right at the top of the conversation. It's just we need to spend more time making sure that the, the people that we're communicating with have understood the message and not just understood it, but they've got a bit more bit more than understanding of it, a context of it to the point where they recognise what, why, where, when and how. Go on, Tone. I know you were going to say something there. I was waiting. I was waiting for you to come back in. I was. I was Alistair's um, trying to make a point. I think so. I'll. I'll. I'll come back in in a sec. No problem. No problem. But Dev, hopefully that gives you some insight around. You know, sort of some of my perspectives on that. Um, I don't know if you've got anything else you wanted to add to that. Um. My question would be. Um kind of you spoke about like why how and when to me that seems like quite a um quite a lot of information to deliver to or to to like to give to a player how do you then break down the how why and when to make sure that then that players are receptive and they're actually understanding those things I think that's a fantastic question. I'll get and I'll give you one a very basic example of it. You know, if, if I'm bringing on to bringing a new concept into play, whether that be you choose your example as a, for instance, talk about playing out from the back. You know, you said they were doing it quite positively. Now, in that phase where they're doing it quite positively, there's probably not much instruct further instruction needed as, as around the how, but maybe now now the interventions might be around the challenging of right. Okay, well you know, what would cause us to break down in this situation. So I'll give you an example. If you're playing out from the back and the team's been successful playing out from the back, the reality is the opposition are never, never really pressing. Are, are they really successful at playing out from the back or are they just successful when the opposition is not pressing? So your question might, your question, the interventions might be around, right, what's allowing us to play out from the back successfully right now? Now they start to develop some sort of context around, right, okay, actually that's where the success is coming from. Okay, brilliant. Now we've identified that we're getting successful when the team aren't pressing us. What might change and how would that change if they were to start pressing us? Does it matter where they're pressing us from? And just start to expand those conversations, explore those those uh, those those different aspects of the context so that they can start to develop an understanding of the where, the when, the whys and the hows, if you like. So, I mean, hopefully that answers your question, though. 
Yeah, it does actually. Yeah, it's it's kind of about breaking down, seeing what they know, and then filling in what they need or what they might need to know, instead of trying to deliver all the points straight away. That's what I got from it. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think key a key part of that is is it's coming back to that check in understanding piece. It's not just finding out what they know all the time. Sometimes it's raising their awareness to things that they weren't even consciously aware of. If that makes sense, so they might know that. The team is 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 playing out from that, but because they because also the team's not pressing them, because they they've just kind of accepted that's what the situation is. They've never really paid attention to it, so now you have to challenge them and say, right, okay, well, if this wasn't the case, how would you react to that, or how would you go about doing this if the person came from this angle or this angle or whichever angle they might come from? As an example, does it change if there's two pressing us as opposed to if there's a front three as an example? So I think there's 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 loads of different ways you can kind of go about it, but I think. You know, my my advice to coaches always always start from the from the end goal and work your way back. So, what is it that you're working against? How can you implement that into your training programs? How can you impl- implement that into your into your uh, playing um, your match day program for the players? So, are they constantly playing teams that don't like to press? If that's the case, can we get them friendly or can we organize organize uh, situations where you might work with an, uh, the opposition and you might support each other in your challenges. So it might be, you know, I'll give an example of a conversation I had once with a team where I felt quite confident that we were going to, you know, wipe the floor with the opposition, but we didn't want to turn away a fixture. So we just kind of said, right, here's how we're looking to play. Can you get your players to play in a particular way? Now, that might not be the ideal thing to do for every environment. It might not be the ideal thing or the, the, the thing that every coach might accept to do, but if we look at what we're really trying to achieve here, and that's you know trying to help players become better footballers, um, in this context, in any other sport, obviously you know in relation to those sports. So I think it's always coming back to the purpose. Why are we doing what we're doing? And you know I'll tell you one thing: it's not for us. You know because if it was for us, we probably would be trying to make a career out of the game as a players. Some of us have missed that boat and you know gone in different directions. But I think it's remembering the purpose of why we're doing what we're doing. It's to help people, help people more often than not, young people develop and support their dreams. But Dev, thank you for that question. I'm not sure if there's anything else you want to add um, before we bring the next person on. No, nothing I need to add. It was all good. Perfect. Alistair, welcome to the stage, man. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm all good. Um, Great, great listening as usual. Um, I think, you know, what what I was sort of going to get into a bit is, uh, you know, we talked about the ego of coaches. Um, and especially for me, when I first started coaching, I felt like if I wasn't using the buzzwords, if I wasn't sort of trying to understand what, what some things I've never heard of before meant because they were changing so fast, I sort of felt like a bit of a fraud and I felt maybe a little bit belittled by other coaches. Um, and it took a while to realise, actually, this is a lot of rubbish. Um you know, just just talk about what you know. So I, I guess, like, what I was thinking about was how how important. Obviously, we know how important communication is, but how important is it in reflection in terms of your session plans? In terms of how am I going to break down what I'm going to say? Uh, why am I saying it? You know, where is the depth of my of my conversation going? And how important is it for you know UA for the FA to to sort of really build this into their courses? Because I, you know, from the badges that I've got, yeah, you talk about communication you know, how to communicate with your players. But you don't talk about communication in terms of what you're saying, how you're presenting your ideas, um, which I think can be, you know, a massive, massive hurdle, especially to new cultures. So just to get your thoughts on on that, really. Yeah. Oh, go on, go on, yes. 
Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think, you know, it's a, it's a great question, Alison. I think it's really, I think what's even more powerful than your question is probably the reflection piece on yourself and actually understanding, you know what? I don't have to be like every every other coach that's out there. I can just speak the language that I know. I can just focus on the information that I can offload. I think in regards to your, your, your point about the courses and things like that, I think the, what makes it so challenging is, and I think this is where a lot of the coach education pathways across different uh, nations and even continents are going, where it's become a bit more bespoke and tailored around the individual coach and their environment. I think there could be room for more support and guidance around how to be more effective with your communication in that respect. But I think ultimately, does it work for the players that you're in involved with? Um, you know, if you're looking at your session plan, for instance, what is it that you're coaching? Why are you coaching it? Do you know what you're hoping to see? And I, you know, I can't. I can just reiterate what I, what I mentioned a few moments ago. Start with end goal in mind. What does that look like? Strip it back. Work with work your way back. Right. What does it look like at the end goal? Do the players understand that? Right. What what is it? What what's needed? What are the ingredients to get to that to get to that dish, if you like? Um, and then what you know? What, what's the recipe? So, in what order do you actually follow these ingredients? What you know? When do you add this? When do you add that? So, for instance. You know, people talk about passing and receiving as a very basic example. And the pass is only successful if the player's been able to receive it. And you can only receive an, you can only receive successfully if a player is able, able to make an effective pass. But which comes first? It's like it's kind of, you know, you have to be effective with the pass before you can do the receiving piece. So if the passing is what's letting you down and you really want to focus on receiving, you're going to need to work on the passing first. Now, I mean, that's a very basic example, but hopefully give you some idea around, right, how do I prioritize what needs to come out in this session? So if you have a goal that's maybe three or four steps down the recipe in in regards to the end goal, is step two and three and one being completed effectively so that you can get to number four? Because you're not going to be able to work on number three unless two and one are in place and you're not going to be able to get to four unless three, two and one are in place, if that makes sense. So I think it's just stripping it back and identifying as a priority what comes first what's the key things here and yes you want to get to the next point and you want and the point beyond that hopefully but if the points before that are breaking down as Gerard said in earlier on in the conversation there's no rush to progress the session because if the session is breaking down because one of the things before it are, are failing it you're never going to be able to progress it Tony did you want to jump in I think Gerard you had something to say as well Go on then, I will. Um, I think there's, there's two points there, actually. One on Dev's point and one on Alistair's point. Um, and it kind of goes uh, to what you were just saying. Um, but I use the house analogy. You can't build a house by putting a roof up first. You know, you've got to dig the foundations. You've got to make sure the foundations are solid. You've then got to start building from the bottom up. So all of that scaffolding of technique has to be the same with communication you've got to you've got to make sure that you're speaking to players on the right level with with what they understand in in your environment you know i guess that the way that the fa are dealing with things now with um the on-site visits and the on-site assessment means that rather than turning up with 24 other coaches who all speak a coaching language you should be getting assessed by what your players understand um, what your players' understanding of what you want them to do is. So you've really got to make sure that you do build upwards. One of the biggest problems I've had with players over the last couple of years is players who give the ball away are trying to do the second thing before they've done the first thing. 
You know, they're trying to turn and run before they've received and secured the ball. Um, that that was a, what I wanted to say around Alistair's point. And, and with Dev's little bit, what I wanted to say with Dev in terms of, again, if you use the example of playing out from the back, for example, um, it, it's really about, do you need 25,000 different ways to play out from the back? Or do you need two or three different ways? And this comes back to practice design. So if I'm going to work on something, I don't need to deliver a different session every single time. You know, that the repetition of the session is what will help to hammer home your key messages to your team, to your players, to the individuals within the units. So, you know, you don't need a million different sessions. You just need sessions that work and, and deliver what it is you're trying to achieve on, on any given night. Um, you know, if, we tr- if we're trying to play out from the back, do we want to do it this way or do we want to do it that way? Game-based training where your, your defenders defend and your attackers attack and your midfield players experience both roles is what's going to improve their game, in my opinion. I think you're spot on there, Tony. And I, think I, say it, I say it all the time, we need to stop trying to reinvent the wheel. You know, I, I over the years, and I think you know, probably Alistair, you know, it's probably similar to when you first came into your coach. He's talking about, about using the terminology. There's probably a lot of pressure as well. God knows where the pressure comes from, but there's probably a lot of pressure for coaches when they're first starting in, on their journey to constantly come up with new practices, whether that be for their own sake, whether that be because they're trying to impress the coaches around them or the people that are watching them, or even just for the players' sake. I think... Where I've got to in my journey, and probably you know, it sounds like you probably you're probably at a similar stage as well, Tony. In that, just use what works. You know, I've, I've probably already got about six or seven different types of practices I use, but the way I've hopefully designed them, or I like to believe I've designed them, is they're multifunctional, so that it gets to a point where it doesn't. It, the session isn't based on one particular topic. The session is based on uh, a part of the game, if you like. And every you know, if I've got seven practices that I use, those seven practices automatically double up and become fourteen because. On one given day, I could be working in possession. On one given day, I could be working out of possession. So they kind of lend themselves to both areas of the game, but they're only able to do that because the, the practice itself looks like a moment or a part of the game. And I think that's a really key piece. And, you know, you talk there about practice design. I think it's so important that a lot of coaches do understand that. Don't make a practice for just finishing. Understand that that finishing practice actually can be something else. So if it's, a, you know, in this case, a 2v2 um, on the edge of the box, it's not just a 2v2 to go and finish. Actually, that becomes a 2v2 to go and defend it. So you're actually doing the opposite of it now. So, you know, I think that's a great kind of a tip for coaches to consider as well. If, you know, if you're constantly thinking about having to develop new practices, then chances are your practices are either not, not engaging enough because the players aren't demanding to do it again, or, or B, they're just, they're just not doing the job because it's just, it's, you know, you're just not being effective with it. And I think one of the, the biggest things I've, kind of really opened my eyes is, is at one point where working with a group of players they would actually come to me and say yes can we do this practice can we do that practice and you know by this point with enough experience I was able to say okay yeah we can do that practice but in my head I've got certain outcomes I want to get from today's session so let's incorporate that practice work on parts of my outcomes and then progress it onto something else because one of the powerful things that it allowed me to do is because the players are demanding that practice from me and in this session, I already know I've got their buy-in. I already know I can demand more from them. I already know that I can set the intensity higher and I don't have to do the the thing that 
comes with new practices is actually have to sit there and demonstrate and direct them around how that practice even works. There's six or seven practices or templates I like to use with my practices. Players are aware of them. And now they've got to a point where they actually they just understand the practice. All I'm doing is just shifting the spotlight in terms of who the main character is in this context, the topic of the session will be. I think, Jared, you was going to jump in a few moments ago as well. No, all I was going to say, completely agree. I mean, you know, it's answer to ask this question. I think, yes, it's very important. The first time I sort of came across a little bit around communication and just thinking about age-appropriate language and what that looks like within a curriculum or even, you know, designing your questions, how you can plan for guided questions, how you can plan for some of the key words that you're going to use within each practice or within each game was more around the AYA. Uh, so it's interesting because, and even then, and probably some of the other courses that we've done before, anytime coaching, communication, psychology, whatever it may be, modules were done, it was almost like a flash there'd maybe be one slide on it might have been a module that was shoehorned into the course and you didn't really touch on it just like engaging with parents the importance of parent engagement parent education you know loads of other topics that we never really get trained on but then we have to quickly learn and figure out in the trenches as we go along so i think it's something that should definitely uh get more thought process on so and it's not a plug at all but Obviously, there's some stuff that I've shared on uh, you, Learnbly, around feedback. It's something that I'm really interested in as I'm looking. I think there's a load of people. I mean, you mentioned Nick Winkleman before. There's people like Gabriel Wolf, if anyone's interested, researcher that looked into different types of feedback. So how information shared around the mechanics of a of a skill or technique can lead to uh, basically quite damaging results. She's done research over 20-odd years, probably more, uh, where she's found like it can lead to lack of confidence, motivation, injuries, so on, uh, breakdown in in effectiveness, but, you know, reliance on explicit information, which is coming from the coach, and then the players develop that dependency on that feedback so that when they're faced with a problem they've not seen before, which is the game, because the game's problematic, forever changing, unpredictable, dynamic, chaotic. Where do they look to for the answer? Well, they'll look at the coach versus creating an environment where the players can self-learn and and problem solve. And that would tend to lead on more like what's called implicit information. Um, And Gabriel Wolf terms this as like external focus, attention, feedback, where the language that you use even into the detail around the verbs, the adverbs, the detail within the sentence, how it can guide them to look for information from the environment. And that's obviously what I'm doing my PhD on. So I'm looking at how coaches can effectively share information, which is tapping into what the players are, you know, people talk about scanning, searching, what they're looking for, so how you can guide their search so that they can look for the the triggers and all. And I think that's fascinating. I think a lot of people are delving into it. And I think if you listen to Arsene Wenger, <laughs> Tony, all these people that across different levels of the game, I think it's becoming more and more prevalent. And we're saying that, hey, we need to get better at this. And, hey, there's other ways, there's other methods that have been used, you know, back in the 60s that probably people don't 
realise, I mean, the stuff that I've seen that, you know, John Cartwright used to do, Don Howe and all these lot that Tony will, you know, obviously know, there's like, actually, there's pre- some pretty good stuff there, you know. Um, and again, I think it's just seeing where it goes. I think the game is becoming more cerebral. We're, we're really trying to think about, you know, developing these decision makers, these problem solvers, and that's becoming of a higher priority premium value now more than ever because we've got some players that are really deceptive and they can play with disguise and they can, you know, be so creative and we want these skillful players. And then as a result, that means that the defending has to be better. And then how are we creating these, these problem solvers, right? So again, we have to look into the communication piece. I think that's where our education will grow better in terms of some of the teaching styles that we use or whatever it may be. So yeah, great point. And I think the more we can plan our vocab, the better. Hundred percent spot on. And you know, just a quick one for anyone that has hasn't uh, caught it. That Nick Winkleman episode is episode one hundred and fifteen of the Coaching Network podcast. Some fascinating insights in there as well. But you know, we've been we've been on there for a little while. Uh, don't want to take up any more any more any more time on any one Sunday. But hopefully, Alice, that answers. Um, your question and hopefully gives you some insights around you know our thoughts and maybe some different ideas for you to consider as well man yeah it definitely does um i like uh, you know the analogy on the you can't put the roof on top of the house and i like your idea of you know work work backwards as well um i guess i never really thought that sometimes you can think this is where i want to get to um this is where i am now and you, you sometimes miss the stepping stones out just through you know a desire to get your point over. So that's that's something I'll really take from that. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. We appreciate you, man. Your question was fantastic as well. But guys, you know, we are here um, for this conversation. Tonight's conversation is obviously around communication. But myself and Joe are back every single Sunday. Um, if you didn't catch the full conversation, don't be too too upset. We can get it out to you. Um, every Wednesday it comes out on the Coaches Network podcast where you can, you know, listen to all the conversations we've had in the recent weeks as well as many other fascinating conversations I've been able to have with some great people um, but guys it'll be a massive help if uh, we can continue growing the community join us every Sunday get your questions in if you've got any questions you want answered if you've got a topic that you want to hear discussed then feel free to let us know as well but also guys I've noticed a lot of you aren't quite following so you know you've had some fascinating conversations insights please do follow us please do share it with others let us know your thoughts um, Gerard until next week, man. Next week, looking forward to it. Have a great rest of the Sunday, everyone. And thank you to everyone that shared their ideas and their experiences. It's really good. This is what we're all about, isn't it? Just learn from each other and even challenging each other. We don't have to agree on everything. And I think that's that's where this debate keeps being really cool. So thank you and have a great rest of the weekend. 100%. And again, a special shout out to Tony, Alistair and Deb for your questions and participation in tonight's conversation. Take care, guys. Have a great evening. See you next week. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.